Well, uh, we you have made it, I, and I'm not sure. I still, based on the first service, I was determining. I'm not going to do a show of hands. How many were actually intending to come to the first service? You were just late for the first service, which meant you were early for the second service. We have arrived. It is a uh, you know, what is it? You you spring forward. Is that what we do? Spring forward. All I know is you lose an hour, and I don't know about you, but I have like you know five different alarms because I was worried there's nothing worse than like you wake up and you're late and you go I got to be at the church in like 15 minutes and preach and look like calm and collected so I was you know I get nervous about time fall isn't too bad I'm like I gained an hour you know when it's ahead now I'm going to be running late so uh, it's it's a great morning to be in here with you today and uh, we're starting a new series called encounters and um this this series as a whole, I want you to open up your Bibles, John chapter 5. We're going to get there in just a minute. The series as a whole is really centered around this aspect, this context of what it looks like. We're going to look at the lives of some individual people that had an encounter with Jesus. And we're going to do this over the next few weeks as we lead into Easter. And we're going to, we're going to look at what happens when we have an encounter with Jesus. How does that impact our life? What does it do to us and and how does it change and transform us because that's really that's really what happens and um, it's always neat I'm so proud of you I see stories uh, I hear them personally I see them on social media about um, encounters that you've had the most important encounter you can have is is that with Jesus but for us at milestone it's always important for us to create opportunities and avenues for you encounter to encounter other aspects of what it's like to be a part of a spiritual family. And I talked a little bit about that with 301. Another way in which we do that is small groups. And, uh, and I saw this story this past week. And I uh, asked Josh and Sarah if we, if we could share this. And, and so I saw this post. This is, a, this is a picture of Josh and Sarah Dominguez small group. Now, here's the neat thing about them. They weren't necessarily leading the group, but they were hosting it. And I think that's something to note because sometimes you feel like, well, you know, what do I contribute when I'm a part of a small group and what can I do? And if you're thinking about leading a small group, you're like, well, I'd love to lead one, but my house doesn't really lend to that. But, you know, there's other people that would probably be willing to to host and open up their home. And Josh and, and Sarah did. And uh, and this is what he this is what he wrote. I want to I read this. It says uh, to build in a way that lasts, we must discover our purpose and continue uh, and contribute to what Jesus is building. And you know you're part of something special when the Bible study series ends, but everyone is just getting started. That's awesome. And it's amazing to see because really what begins to happen is while the study about the series we were previously in Built to Last is ending, we encourage you, you may be a part of a small group, you're looking to get into a small group, they're still going on. Some are taking breaks this week because of spring break. But it's moments like this. Why do we create moments like this? Because it's in moments like this, you not only encounter Jesus in the context of something different than just on a Sunday morning, but you also encounter the relationships and you experience the relationships that God wants to put around you. That's the amazing part of being part of a spiritual family. And so grateful for for, uh, Tommy and Katie who led this group and all those that were in it and all of our other small group leaders that had just... Did an amazing job, and we heard so many great stories just like this one about life change that happened inside of small groups. And, and so as we, as we look more at encounters, this is, this is one encounter, but, but also think of, of other types of encounters that we experience in life. 
You, you know what I'm talking about? Because when you think about an encounter, an encounter is something that marks your life. You, you've had them before, whether you realize it or not. It, there's encounters that, that impact who you are. They shape who you are. Some, let's be honest, they're good encounters. Some are bad. Some, you know, they're amazing and you just live in them over and over. And some, you're like, I, I want to forget that as quick as I can. Now, now, maybe you've had an encounter. Maybe you've had an encounter with, with what I'm about to show you. Maybe you've had some encounters with some, some crazy creatures like, like this guy. How, how about a snake? Any snake lovers in here? You know, you're like, okay, don't raise your hand. Stay away from the people that raise your hand. They like snakes. That's, you know, I'm just kidding. No, snakes are great, okay? It's awesome. Um, but, you know, you know what I say. The only good snake is a dead snake. I'm sorry, don't be mad at me. Don't be mad at me. I'm just saying, just saying, you know. So snakes, you had an encounter with a snake, you'd probably freak out. I was going to add another picture on here before I show you the next one, uh, but I didn't want to freak anyone out because the only picture I could find was really, really scary. I was kind of scared about it. I don't want to scare myself when I turn and look at the screen. But, but Wendy, in her dorm, she's walking in her dorm, and at one point in her dorm, she comes, she turns on the light, and when she turns on the light, all of a sudden, this thing is flapping around in her dorm hallway. She thought it was a bird, but it wasn't a bird. It was a bat, and she had an encounter with a bat. If you've ever had an encounter with a bat, it's a little crazy. It freaked her out. I'd be freaked out. I was going to put a picture of a bat up there, but we would all freak out, okay? Maybe you've had an encounter with, with one of these guys. Any spider lovers in here? You know, you want to know how quick people, have, like, their, their, their reflect, how quick their reflexes are? Just watch them when they walk through a spider web. They didn't know it was there. I, I kid you not. You're like, man, I didn't know that dude could move that fast. Man, you're freaking out because you didn't see it. You know there's a spider attached to that spider web somewhere, and you're just like, is it on me? Where is it? You know, and you're, you're like five minutes later, you're like, you know, you've been hiking, and you're like, you know, a mile down, you're still thinking like, is that spider on me? So we have these encounters, or, or maybe you've encountered a famous person. I, I've encountered a few, like when I met Matt Damon at a uh, gas station up in, uh, up in the Boston area. I mean, who knew? Met Matt Damon. It was awesome. I was like, are you Matt Damon? He said, yes, I am. I said, well, it's good to meet you. All right. You know, and then I told him what I was doing and how what I was doing is really important. He was impressed. You know, I was like, you're pretty cool, too. All right. And, or or when, I was in, when I was in a hotel one time and I'm in the lobby and, and I met and this is back. This is actually around the time I, I met Pastor Jeff for the first time. So this is probably 17 years ago. I met uh, Axel Rose. OK. Axel Rose, and, and I was like, you know, he walked by me, and I just kind of was like, first name basis, I was like, Axel? He's like, he kind of turned to me like I was crazy, and I was like, you kind of look kind of crazy, brother, you know, but I mean, we just kind of talked, he's looking around, like, he's like, he thought it was a joke, is there a camera somewhere, you know what I mean, and, and so uh, I thought to myself, had that happened 10 years ago, there would have been people all over, all over the place, those of you who are too uh, young to know who Axl Rose is. Guns N' Roses, all the shirts that you buy that say Guns N' Roses, you don't even know what that is. You just buy the shirt, okay, teenagers, because it looks cool. Okay, that was actually a band, okay, that, that our generation, okay, just get over it, okay, the wiser generation here, listen to, okay, that's who Axl Rose is, you know. Or, or maybe you've got these, these encounters that you want 
that are like bucket list encounters. Like you're planning for them. You, you want to experience them. So, so one for me, I thought about sharing some with you. One for me is I'd love to go to L.A. 2028. Anyone know what that is? I, I gave you a little, you know, drop the sign there, you know. The Olympics. I'd love to go to, to, to the Summer Olympics in L.A. Or the World Cup. It's called United 2026 because it is Mexico, Canada, and the U.S. The World Cup is hosted in all three of those countries. I would love to go to a World Cup or any avid outdoors people. I'd love to go to Peru. That's what those mountains are. And hike in Peru. It, it would be awesome. And, and as amazing as these bucket list adventures would be and the encounters that, that we would have, how fun it would be. As amazing as it is to encounter famous people and as crazy as it can be to encounter scary creatures, the truth is nothing compares to encountering Jesus. Because when we encounter Jesus, something happens in our life. It transforms us from the inside out. And I want us to look, we're going to get there in just a minute when we get to John chapter 5, and we're going to look at, at, at this individual that had this encounter with Jesus and how it impacted his life. But, but here's what I want us to get. is I want us to look at, even before we get there, just kind of understanding how we're wired and designed. You know, God created us to be uh, creatures that, that long for experience and encountering. And that's how we are wired and designed. And, and the truth is, not only did God design it that way, science and business knows that. I'll give you an example. Science understands that because they understand they've even tracked back in your in your brain patterns and the neurological uh, design of your brain and, and the things that you experience and how it even wires. And that's why you talk about we rewiring your brain and your brain patterns because of the experiences you've had. Science understands that. In fact, many of them scientists would link it back more to, you know, these great experiences tied to happiness. But we know we're not pursuing happiness. It's really more than, than happiness. Business knows this because businesses are always centered around creating this experience. It's this overarching customer experience they want you to have. They want you to have a great encounter because if you have a great customer experience, then now it's tied to, I want to go and I want to I go there again. I, I want to experience that product. I wanna, I'm going to speak on that product. In fact, if, if you've ever heard this phrase in the business or marketing world, it's called creating raving fans. You create a, an amazing experience. People just start speaking on your behalf because you're a raving fan. So, so it, it, business understands this. Science understands this. But the truth is God created this. And here's what I know. After 20 plus years of ministry, preaching and leading and teaching, whether it's young people, whether it's on a Sunday morning, whether it's students or adults, here's the truth. We're all searching for something. We're, we're all searching. We're all looking for something. Now, let me give you an example. Here's how it may sound. Like if you were a, a CEO or a business owner or you're in any context of managing people, you think, okay, I'm doing well. We're doing well. We're, we're tracking along. We're hitting our... our key performance indicators, and, and the business is growing, and things seem well, but my friends and family don't realize I'm empty inside, and I'm thinking there's got to be more to life than just this. Or, or maybe your family's doing great, you, you have a great relationship with your spouse, your kids are involved and engaged, and, and they're doing well, and, and things seemingly are going well, and you're going, is this normal? Like, is there more than, than just this? 
Because the truth is we're all searching. The only difference is this. Some of us are just more aware that we're searching for something than others. Now, some of you, you like everything I just got done saying, you don't relate to it. It's like you're, you're keenly aware. I'm searching. I, I need help. I, I want help. What I'm doing isn't working. And, and I, need, I need a change somewhere along the way. And so we're, we're all searching. None of us are exempt from this. You're not. I'm not. We're all searching for something. But that something really isn't a thing. It's a person. And his name is Jesus. Let, let me give you some examples. Here's some, make it real clear and, and help you understand. How do I know? How do I know if I'm searching for something, Pastor Chris? Well, here's some clear signs that you're searching. First is you have a need that you can't meet. Anybody have a, a financial need, a health need, a relational need? You fill in the blank. There's a need you cannot meet. Can I tell you something? You're searching for something. And you may try and fill it with something else, but the only one that can satisfy what you're searching for. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. Okay? Here's another one. You can't shake this growing sense of discontentment. I'm not satisfied with where I'm at. Why? How come? And you're trying all these different things, and you're working in all these different avenues, but none of it is going to satisfy the discontentment, only Jesus. How about this? You're willing to try anything to get a different result. It's time to make a change. You've got to adjust some things. Or, or you come here and, and you say, you're tired of acting like you've got all the answers. Okay, I, I resemble that remark. Okay, uh, there was a season in my life where I was a firm believer. It's not what you know. It's what you make it sound like you know. <laughs> I just talk circles around stuff, make myself sound like I had it all figured out. But really, what was I doing? I was searching. And at the end of the day, here's what it comes down to. You're ready for more. You're just ready for more. But the answer to all this is Jesus. See, it's not trying harder. It's not getting a new job. It's not some plan or program. This is not a plan or a program. It's not about Christianity or a church coming. And it's this country club that this just kind of cliquish society we come to. No, it is something more than that. It's Jesus. And what happens is when we've had an encounter or an experience with someone or something that either represented Jesus or said they represented Jesus and it was a negative experience, that's what makes it so hard. That's why we're searching. But I'm telling you today, when you have an encounter with Jesus, it transforms you. It transforms you. And that's my prayer and my hope for you. This is important to me. As a pastor, as your pastor, this is important because I want you. I can't fix or change anything. I'm not the answer. And you're going, we know. It ain't me. It's Jesus. And the hope is in everything we do and how we frame and, and fashion all we do in Milestone Kids, all we do and Alex and the team does for Elevate, all we do here on the weekend, the time we spend, we're not just like pulling songs out of a hat. Like there's actual thought and prayer and intentionality going, how do we ensure? We, we can't conjure it up. We can't make it happen. But how do we ensure that we create an opportunity for ultimately people to meet Jesus. Not for people to go, wow, you preached really good. Wow, they sang really good. Wow, they killed that retreat and it was awesome and kids had a blaster. Wow, my kids got all this stuff at, in, in Milestone Kids and they had a great time. No, 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 no. Jesus. It's, it's Jesus. And, and that's 
what I want us to get because the truth is at the end of the day, that's what we're looking for. Our hope is in Jesus. It's an encounter with Him. And that's where we pick up this story in John chapter 5. And, and I want to kind of set this up a little bit. John chapter 5, verses 1 through 9. And, and I'm going to read this to you. Let me give you a little context here. Jesus is traveling from Judea to Galilee again. Passes through Samaria. Some of you know the story of him with the woman at, at the well at Samaria. Talks to her. Passes through Canaan again where he performed his first miracle. Now he's, up to, he's come up to Jerusalem. These are very, honestly, at the place he's going, very superstitious individuals. Okay? He's performing a lot of healings. He's in the height of his, his ministry, starting to grow. He's getting a lot of pushback and persecution from the Pharisees. And watch what it says here. It says, starting in verse 1, After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem, by the sheep gate, a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. And in these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. And one man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. Now, let me stop right here for a minute. First off, some of you notice, well, where's verse 4? Some of your translations have verse 4 in it. Verse 4 talks about actually an angel that they thought an angel would come and stir the waters. That's where the healing lies. See, this was actually this pool at this this sheep gate was like a ritualistic bathing pool for Jews. So there's this already, they're superstitious. There's this thought that if I go here. Now many theologians think that actually verse 4 wasn't in the original manuscript. John took it out because he's going, I'm not trying to feed. I, I left out. We'll actually read. You'll hear. He talks about the stirring of the waters. But he leaves that part out. Why? Because John is actually going, I'm not wanting to feed this superstition. Now, now we don't know exactly all that lot that was in there in, in verse 4, but here's what we do know. He was trying to find a solution in something that wasn't going to work. He thought the answer was the pool. But how many know the answer isn't the pool? It's the person. And his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. Now, he's an invalid, which means he's sick. When, when you look up the noun invalid, it means that he was someone that was ill. But it's also the same word that we use. We just say it a different way when we use the form as an adjective. And we say that document is invalid. So I want you to understand, here's an individual for 38 years. That's a long time. The, 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 the life expectancy of most Jews at this time was 30. So he's 38. He's older than most of the life expectancy of most individuals. And yet here he is, 38 years old. Now we don't know if he had been, if he'd been sick and ill for all 38 years from the time of his birth. There was something that happened and transpired. So we really don't know. He actually could be older than 38 years. But we do know that he's experienced this for a long time. And so here's this individual who's been sick. He's been ill. He's got this label over him that says, listen, you're useless. We don't, we don't recognize you. We don't recognize that. And here he is. He's at this pool. We'll read on. Verse 6. When Jesus saw him lying there and he knew that he had already been there a long time. He's been there a while. We don't know how long. We don't know how he got there. But Jesus knew he'd been there a long time. And Jesus asked him this peculiar question. Do you want to be healed? If I'm that guy, I'm going, yeah, isn't it obvious? How many times are you looking and, and you're thinking, God, like, do you notice what I'm going through? Hello, Jesus. 
How about a little help here? And Jesus is going, do you want to be healed? And the sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up and while I'm going, another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, get up, take your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and walked. Now, Jesus healed him and this was actually on the Sabbath. So in between here, we're going to skip to verse 14, but in between here, the Pharisees are going, hey, who healed you? Who's this guy? He's working, on the, he's working on the Sabbath. We want to know who he is. Well, we skip down to verse 14. That's what's happening between verse 10 and, and 14. And it says this, Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. See, you're well. Now sin no more. Here's what I want you to understand. Here's what I want you to get. This guy had an encounter with Jesus. And it transformed him. But it didn't just transform his body where he was healed. It transformed his soul. You see, what I want you to walk away with is this. is One encounter with Jesus will leave you never the same. Why? Because Jesus plus nothing equals everything. That's it. It, it, Jesus plus nothing, not Jesus plus the job, Jesus plus the, the, the restored relationship. I'm not saying relationships don't need to be restored. That's not going to be your everything. And not Jesus plus financial situation, not Jesus plus the, 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 the uh, amount of money that you want to make, not Jesus plus your retirement, not even Jesus plus healing or Jesus plus any of those things. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And that's really what it comes down to. You see, because when you have an encounter with Jesus, it transforms you. I remember when I had that encounter. I was 19 years old. It was about two or three months after I'd just given my life to the Lord. My mom had prayed a long time. Get him, Lord. Get him. Any of you got mamas like that? You're in church today. You need to go thank your mama. Call her after church, okay? Because I tell you what, I was living like there was no God, and my mom and dad were paying the print off of walls, and basically mom was just saying, get him, Lord, and he did. And I surrendered my life to God, and I remember I went to an event. It was this concert. If I told you that they still have it going on today, if I told you what it was, you'd recognize it. And I remember God doing something. He started to stir something in me, but it wasn't the worship set. It wasn't in the moment of the service. It wasn't any of those things. It was afterwards, I'm walking out, and I can feel the presence of God. I hear Him speaking to me, and I just am moved, and I, I see this hallway. It's an electrical hallway. It's long. It's dark. It's got fluorescent lights that are flickering. Like something you see like in a scary movie, honestly. I don't know what I was thinking. But I walk down this hallway, and God just moves on my heart. And I remember putting my nose up against the wall and just telling God, God, I'm yours. Whatever you want. I'll go wherever you send me. I'll do whatever you ask me to do. I surrender my life, and it was at that moment I never looked back. You may be saying, well, Pastor Chris, so what are you telling me? I need, I need to go to a concert. I, I need to go to find a pool somewhere and just lay there till Jesus shows up. I need to go find a scary, dark hallway with flickering fluorescent lights. No, I'm telling you, you can have an encounter with Jesus this morning. You can have an encounter with Jesus, with an encounter with Jesus tomorrow morning in your bedroom, in your long commute to work uh, that takes forever. It, you can have an encounter with Jesus every single day. And when you do, it transforms your life. Because the truth is, we're all searching. But here's why we're in the middle of our searching. Here's what becomes so hard. Can it really happen? Is it real? Like, like, does it actually like stick? What will it take? How do I know? How can I have an encounter with Jesus and know I've had one? Well, here's here's how you know over the next 
few minutes here, in our last few minutes together, I want to give you three real practical, simple things that you can do to know, hey, here's how I have an encounter with Jesus and how you can have an encounter with Jesus every single day. First is this. You have to recognize that your search ends with Him. Your search ends with Him. It ends. You're searching and searching and searching and you're thinking it's this thing or that person or this relationship or that status or this amount of finances or this in your retirement or all these things, this pathway that you have for your job and your perfect. No, 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 no. Your search ends with who? Jesus. He is it. This man right here, what was he doing? He was searching. He'd been sick for 38 years. If you've ever had any kind of chronic illness, you know what it's like to be searching and looking and searching. How do I fix this? How do I, do, how do I remedy this? What do I do? What do I do? It's exhausting. If you've ever lost anything, think about it. Think about what you feel when you've lost something. You, you, you lose your keys. You lose your dog. You know, you're out somewhere at like a park or something. You, you feel like you lost your child. You're like, where? You know, I mean, think about it. You know, I mean, it's like that's why we got track my phone. You got, you know, load jack or whatever it's called for your car. You got tile for your keys. OK, you got, you know, I remember seeing there's like a leash for your kids. You used to put them on a leash. It looked like a backpack. You're trying not to lose your kids. You know, you got you lose your dog. They got chips in your dog now. You got, I mean, why? Because we freak out. About losing it because we're so enamored with searching. Well, guess what? Your search can end today. It's Jesus. This man, remember, superstitious. He's laying there for 38 years. He's thinking, if someone would just, because Jesus said, do you want to be healed? He's like, well, no one is here to, to lower me into the pool. So the thought is, he may even be a quadriplegic. He couldn't actually get up. He needed someone to bring him there. He needed someone to put him in the pool. His thought was, oh, this angel maybe stirs the water. If I get in the pool, now I'm going to be healed. He thought his answer was the pool, but it really was Jesus. We can think our answer is a position, a title, a thing, a trinket, whatever it may be, but the answer is Jesus. Our search has got to end with Him. And when it does, it begins to transform the way we see things, the way we respond in life, and, and what we begin to look for. You see, this man, just like we can, he's feeling sorry for himself. He's like, man, this is what my lot in life is. This is just what it's always going to be like. It doesn't always have to be this way. In fact, this man didn't even realize, I don't think, that it was Jesus that came to him. Most of the time when someone knew who Jesus was and he spoke to them, their response would be, Rabbi or Lord. What, what did he say to him? Jesus said, do you want to be healed? He said, sir. So he didn't even recognize who Jesus actually was. So we understand, if we want to have an encounter with Jesus, when you get up every morning, stop searching for your task list. Stop searching for the thing you've got to do or the sales account you've got to close or the meeting that you need to have or the person you need to, to connect with that day. Really, your search ends with Him and your day begins with Him and you'll have an encounter with Him. Because here's the second thing that will help you have an encounter with Jesus that you can know because that's what we want. We want to know is this. You respond to Him in faith. You respond with faith. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, again, do you want to be healed? Well, yeah, of course I do, sir. He says this. He says, then get up, take your mat, take your bed, and walk. What was Jesus saying? He was saying, activate your faith. Get up. 
He's saying, take your bed. You know what that bed represented? If he was lame or a quadriplegic and was confined to that mat, that was his life. That was it. Jesus saying, activate your faith, take your life, take your everyday living, sleeping, breathing, going to work, serving people, being a parent, being a spouse, whatever it is, take your life and then walk it out. Walk it out in obedience. Live it out. Respond by faith. Faith is not checking your intellect at the door. Faith is trust. You're trusting in God. You're exercising this faith. And you're knowing, God, you are bigger than my circumstance. And you're bigger than my situation. You see, there's no version of Christianity where you just sit and receive information. No amount of information I give you is going to change you. No amount of information I give you is going to impact you like a revelation of Jesus in your life of who He is to you because when you have that, it transforms you from the inside out. That's what happens when you encounter. But we got to respond. you got to get in the game. you got to get up. Well, you don't know how long I've been wrestling with this unforgiveness. Too long. Well, you don't know how long. Well, if it was an hour ago, it was probably too long. If it was a day ago, it was probably too long. It's time to get up. You don't know about this relationship and how it's hurt. Or you don't know about this situation. You don't know about this health or this healing. I'm, I understand. 38 years, this guy. Jesus wasn't like, hey, you know, you want to be healed? I mean, of course, but no one's going to put me in the water. I mean, you've been dealing with this for a long time. Are you okay? I know it's been a lot. It's not that he's not compassionate. It's that he believes in you. It's that he has a purpose for you, and he's saying, get up, activate your faith. It's time to, it's time to step over the line. It's time to respond to him in faith. If you will, can I tell you something? You're going to have an encounter with Jesus each and every day. Jesus, how do I live my life honoring you and living out faith Today, my search ends with Jesus, but then w- when I found him, I got to respond with faith. I got I got to walk it out. I've got to take my life and live it out. And there's no other way, because the truth is, it can seem like, man, God, is there another? Way? No, no, no. Get up, take your life, and walk. Respond in faith. And then the third is this: if we want to have an encounter. With Jesus, you have to leave sin to follow him. You see, Jesus cared the most about him because he didn't simply want to heal his body and not touch his soul. What good would it have done? It would have been just looking for for more uh, searching had he been healed physically, but Jesus not dealt with the issue of his heart and his soul. You see, there's some things that, that, you know, it's like if you had a car. Let's say your, your window wouldn't go up. Terrible. You ever had that happen? You know, like bust out the trash bag, duct tape, close it up. If you couldn't roll up your window, you know, you, you may get rain in the car. Your, your wind, you know, I mean, your hair may get, get windblown. It's not cool. It's not good. But, but can I tell you something? If, you, if your transmission's going out, you ain't going anywhere. You see, some things are, sir, some things are a, a little bigger than others. You go to the doctor and, and you think it's, oh, it's just heartburn. Well, that's a frustration and an inconvenience. But you go to the doctor and realize, no, it's congenital heart failure. Well, that's a game changer now. You see, 
my heart for you is this. I want God to, to heal and move and work in your life, but not before you have an opportunity to experience Him as the Lord and Savior of your life. Heaven forbid you experience a healing physically, but not a transformation spiritually. That's what's most important. That's what Jesus is after. That's what an encounter with Him does. And you think, you know, we'll, we'll leave sin behind to follow Him. I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I, I'm okay. And, and that's one of the two lies the enemy tells us. See, because there's two lies the enemy tells us when it, when, it, when it comes to this. Two lies when it comes to leaving sin to follow Him. One is, I'm basically good. I, I don't really need to repent. I mean, I'm not out like, you know, selling drugs or being immoral or, you know, all the, you know, these bad. We, we, we can find sin to these just macro major things. Or we go, I, I'm not going to turn to God. I'm not going to let go of my sin because I'm so bad. I can't repent for all the stuff I've done. Those are lies of the enemy. One, you're too good and you're basically a good person. That's not what we're talking about. We're all searching. But it's not about working harder or being a good person or being super spiritual or having it all figured out. And it's certainly not about having been perfect because you think, oh, well, I've got it all. I've got all those things in place. No, those, those are lies of the enemy that keep you from really surrendering. Because James put it this way in James 4. He said, for a man to know what is right and not to do it, such is sin. You see, so, so when you're lying there and, and the right thing to do is to forgive and you choose not to, well, what James is saying is that's sin. Well, man, golly, Pastor Chris, that's kind of... I'm just telling you what, what this word says. You want to know why? Because I want you to encounter Jesus. And, and you will when you, you respond in faith. You say, well, well you know, I, I mean, my attitude or, or my integrity, it's not, it's not that bad. I'm not as bad as that guy. I mean, I tell you all the time, it's always good. Have a good heathen friend. You know, you can go around, well, ah, I'm not as bad as that guy, you know. But it's more than that. It's more than that. What is it that you can let go of so that you can follow him? Because when you do, you'll have an encounter with him, for some of you, it may be surrendering your life to Jesus because you never have before. Really making him the Lord and Savior of your, of your life like I did at 19. Because I grew up in church. I was around it. I sat where you sat for six years. Walking in one door to listen to the pastor out of respect for my parents and living a completely different way. The other six and a half days of the week. See, here's what happens when, when you have an encounter with Jesus. Here's what you learn. It, it reveals his compassion for us. He loves you. He has a plan and a purpose for you. It, it helps you recognize who he is to you. He's your Lord and he's your Savior. He's got a plan and a purpose for you. He, he cares for you, but, but it also lets you know what you've got to let go of. Not because a relationship with Jesus is about, don't hear what I'm not saying. This is not about oh, all the things I can't do. No, 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 no. This is about getting up and walking in faith because God has great things for you to do. And when you begin to listen and respond, because all the things you're searching for, if it's other than Jesus, it ain't going to satisfy. 
and the things that He's begun to speak to you, if you don't respond in faith to walk it out, then you're going to miss it. Because there's things He's speaking to you to do. Because sometimes we talk about all the sins of commission. Don't do the, they committed this, 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 and all the things you do. What about the sins of omission? The things God's encouraging you and challenging you to do. That's what the brother of Jesus was saying, James, when he said, for a man to know what is right not to do it, such a sin. God's going, hey, I, I want you to, to, to step out in faith. I want you to say this. I want you to do that. I want you to be an example. I want you to maybe be a little more uh, 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 obvious about your relationship with Jesus. I want you to, hey, make a stand for what's right. I want you to have a little more integrity in your workplace. You see, there's things God's speaking to you to do that you're also not doing. But when we do those things, we get to experience His compassion, who He is to us. And we get to really realize what He's asking of us.